Sunday morning in the darkness of the tomb to feel your breath rise, to feel your breath rise, to open your eyes, to open your eyes. How did it feel? How did it feel? How did it feel to come back alive? How did it feel? How did it feel? How did it feel to meet up with disciples? Give him your way. 
Accepting the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, in many of our churches, we really don't talk about the Holy Spirit a whole lot and accepting that gift of the Holy Spirit, but I believe it's very important for us to talk about this and to have an open conversation and to know what the Spirit is, what the gifts are that he gives us, and what it should look like whenever the Holy Spirit is in our churches. So let's take a look at some of those things from scriptures this morning. In John chapter 4, we see that Jesus himself says these words, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Now, I'm not going to get into much detail about what that in truth means, because let's face it, most of the time we can do a pretty good job of being able to tell, okay, are we worshiping in truth or not? However, what about that first thing that Jesus says there, that the true worshipers of the Father are going to worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth? I think we can tell about that truth, but the Spirit, what would it look like if we worshiped in the Spirit? Well, I believe the Spirit would impact us in very many uh, different ways, a, a variety, a variety of ways, and also uh, different people groups he would affect. For example, I believe the Spirit would infect us on an individual basis. In fact, I believe that's what the Apostle Paul says. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, Paul himself wrote, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, whenever you look at that, I believe that what Paul is telling us is on an individual basis. Whenever the Spirit is within us, we will display love. We will display joy. We will display all these other fruits of the Spirit. That's how you see that the Spirit is, is uh, among us. What if we look like this all the time? Because let's face it, even the greatest of us as humans, uh, we don't always bear out this fruit. Sometimes we're, we're not always the, as loving as we should be or as joyous or as peaceful or all these other different things. But what if we all look like this all the time? Wouldn't that be a wonderful world? I would like to think that that's what the world will look like one day whenever God makes all things right in the end about that, uh, the new heavens and the new earth. I believe that that's kind of what, what it will look like is that we will all look like this. But, you know, what about here? In this life, I think whenever we display this fruit of the Spirit, it's great and it speaks volumes to people around us and to ourselves, let's face it. So when the Spirit is among us, I believe this is what we will see. And if you find, a, if you find it hard to see these things within your own life, then perhaps you need to ask yourself the question, have you really been accepting the Spirit into your life as much as you should be? We see this as a great image. And all these things are, are wonderful things that uh, it's really hard to speak about them. That's uh, speak against them. That's what verse 23 says. Against such things, there is no law. You know, all these things are so great qualities for us to have. 
And this is what happens when the Spirit is among us. What if we saw the Spirit among our churches? You know, what if just our churches could display these things all the time? Wouldn't that be great? But let's face it. Sometimes our churches don't always display every single one of these qualities as well as they should, or as well as we might like. But I would just kind of venture to take a guess that the reason for that is we as individuals can't do this fully, so we as churches can't really do this fully either. However, I just want you to think about it. Wouldn't that be a great picture if our churches look like this? Well, I believe our churches can look more like this than what they do today. In fact, I think that's what the call is for us to be more and more like this every single day. It's not by accident that in the final book of the Bible, in the book Revelation, uh, I just used, for example, Revelation 2 verse 7 here, uh, which this is one of the churches uh, that it was stated, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is, uh, who, who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Now, this is specifically just given to, to one of the churches and stated. However, this phrase continues to be repeated throughout the first few chapters of the book of Revelation. We see that when the seven churches of Asia are mentioned, and you can see before you hear a, a map of those seven churches, but whenever those seven churches are addressed, each one of them has something to the effect of whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We need to be listening to what the Spirit is saying to our churches today, right here, right now. Are we listening to what the Spirit says to us? Well, I want to tell you something else that's special about today. Now, if you're watching this video and it's not today, then, you know, it's going to be a little different. But just know that whenever this video was put out, this had big significance for today. Today is actually the day of Pentecost. Now, there was another day of Pentecost, and that's the one I want us to look into. In Acts chapter 2, we see that there was this day of Pentecost in which the church began. And we are going to see what difference the Spirit makes within the church, within us as people. And we're going to look at that from the day of Pentecost. But it's, it's just kind of nice to know that, you know, if you count back 50 days from today, then that's what happened on, on Easter Sunday, whenever, uh, well, from the Passover, actually. And from Easter Sunday, how Jesus rose up from the, the grave at that time. And now we celebrate this Pentecost, the, the gathering of these, these first fruits here. So on the Pentecost, what difference does the Spirit make? Well, let's take a look from the text here and, and see something about what the Spirit does in Acts chapter 2 on this day of Pentecost some 2,000 years ago. Beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and, and the parts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. 
Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Well, here we see the difference that the Spirit can make. And we also see whether or not uh, these people uh, are listening to what the Spirit is saying in their midst. Some of them, many of them, were willing to listen. However, verse 13 does tell us the sad news that sometimes people still just want to make fun of what the Spirit is doing. And, and even today, what the Spirit is doing in our midst. But what does this mean? That's the question that's asked in verse 12. And I believe it is an important question to ask. What does it mean? One thing that we see about this is there's all these different people groups. And I want to show you what this looks like on a map. So here's a map of kind of all these different places that are listed. And I didn't make this map up myself. I just found this on, on the Internet. Apparently it comes from a website called conformingtojesus.com. So, you know, you're welcome to, to kind of see it if maybe this is too small of a picture and if you want to get a better idea of that. But these are the different areas of the world in which they were coming together in this one place. They were coming from all over pretty much the known world, you know, all over the globe, just about. I think that's why we have this, this long description about where they were all from. So you have these people groups from all over. They come from all over, and of course, they're speaking in different languages. That's what's spoken of there. But, you know, they also have different cultures. You know, they would, they would have looked a little different from, from place to place that because, you know, people who are living in one area, uh, they look and dress and act a little different than people living in another area of the world. However, at this moment on the day of Pentecost, they were all together. So it would have looked like an, an interesting gathering right here. And they came from all over and had these different divisions among them, such as language and, and other things as well. Yet the Spirit still spoke to them all. He spoke in such a way that they were all able to understand. Now it was up to them, obviously, like we looked at in verse 13, it was up to them whether or not they listened, but they had the ability to listen because the Holy Spirit was speaking to them all. But there's more though, let's keep looking. In Acts chapter two, picking back up now in verse 14 and going on through verse 21, we read this. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So here in this passage, we see the difference that the Holy Spirit is making among the people of God. We find out, let me just go ahead and, and sort of state this before we even look at this prophecy here. For starters, look at the one who's piecing these things together. It's Peter, verse 14. Peter's the one who, stand, who stood up with the 11, who raised his voice and he preached this sermon. He is boldly proclaiming this message, this gospel message. Now, this is the same Peter who just a few chapters ago, if you remember, you know, following along kind of in a chronological uh, order, just a few chapters ago, he denied knowing Jesus three different times. 
yet here he's boldly proclaiming, that's the difference that the Holy Spirit can make. I believe the Holy Spirit, we need to openly invite him in and among our churches and in and among ourselves, because we might see changes like what Peter saw in himself. But in addition to that, what else do we see about the Holy Spirit in their midst? Well, notice this prophecy. It, this is just one passage among many, really, that, that Peter gets into details on. But this is the first one that he leads off with because he's trying to tell them, look, don't make fun of what the Holy Spirit is doing. These people aren't drunk like what you're mocking them to be. No, these people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Joel said it was going to happen. Other prophets said it was going to happen, too. They were prophesying that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out on all people. And that's important to notice that the Holy Spirit is there's a little bit of a leveling of playing field among us all whenever we come and and whenever we are whenever we are Christians whenever we are the people that God really wants us to be there is a leveling of the playing field now there's still different jobs that you might do that and then that I might do that's just kind of part of it but there is this leveling because the holy spirit has come on us all there's different ways that he might come come on us and there's different gifts that he might display through us but he still comes on all of us. We see the different people groups that are mentioned here. It's just about every different uh, group that you could imagine. You have, yes, all people, but you also have this phrase, sons and daughters. You have both men and women. You also have the young men. You have the old men. So we have even different ages too. So ages, difference might uh, differences might be there, uh, men and women. So we, we see all these different divisions, but yet the Holy Spirit is poured out on all. We also, if we choose to see this, notice that it's not just about what the Holy Spirit does among us as the church and us as people, but the rest of this in verse 19, um, it's talking about how the Holy Spirit is also in creation itself, in the heavens, in the earth, the sun, the moon, and what he's doing among all of those things, giving those, those signs that can get people's attention to realize something is going on right here. Something is happening. They needed to pay attention. The Holy Spirit is within creation. He's within us, but he's also within creation. Now, this shouldn't be news to you because even the very second verse of the Bible in Genesis chapter one, verse two, it talks about the spirit of God is hovering over the waters of creation. So if the spirit of God was hovering over the waters from the very beginning, it only makes sense here that in Acts chapter 2, whenever the church, so to speak, is being created and they're being formed out of these people, that the Holy Spirit is right there in the midst. He's hovering over the waters. He is shaping things and he is active in this creation, just like he was in the physical creation of everything. He is that involved in the, in the spiritual and I guess perhaps a little bit of physical creation of the church right here in Acts 2. It's wonderful. And it continues. Let's keep reading. Acts chapter 2 now, picking back up in verses 22 through 24. Still part of Peter's sermon, he says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it is impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And here in these next few verses, we, 
we see that the attention is turned to Jesus Christ and what he's done. Something great has happened with Jesus Christ. We see that whenever the Spirit is involved in creation, the Spirit can do things like raise Jesus, like what's spoken of right here. Verse 24, talking about raising him from the dead. We see that it's impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Death didn't have true power over Jesus Christ. Even though death did come to Jesus, Jesus overcame it. He was raised by the Spirit. We see this new life that is offered in the Spirit. That new life was offered to Jesus Christ, but that new life, I believe, is offered to us as Christians as well, or us as followers of God as well. So how do we receive the Spirit today? Well, if you keep following in this, this sermon on the day of Pentecost, you get an answer. And it's one that's very familiar to us, but sometimes we don't focus on this part of it. So let's focus on this part now. On the day of Pentecost, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 41, listen to how we can receive the Holy Spirit today. They wanted to know, once they realized, once this audience realized, okay, we put Jesus to death, what do we do now? This was Peter's response in verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So here in this passage, Acts 2.38, let's face it, we know it very well. In fact, many of you, maybe even all of you, have this verse memorized. But do we recognize what it truly says? How do, we, how do we receive the Spirit today? Well, what were they supposed to do? They were supposed to repent, okay? Turn around their lives of sin and turn to the one true and living God who is able to save us. And once you do that, and part of doing that, is you repent, but then you be baptized. That wonderful symbol of just how Jesus was, was uh, how he was crucified on the cross, so he died, how he was buried, and how he raised up on the third day. That's the same type of thing that happens with our baptism, that we die to our old life of sin, we are baptized, we are buried with Christ in baptism, and then we are raised up to walk in a newness of life. But notice it keeps going. We're called to repent, we're called to be baptized, and then we find out, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in case you're thinking, oh, well, maybe that gift of the Holy Spirit was just for the early church right there, just the ones who were being baptized, you know, and who repented uh, in, in Acts 2. In case that's what you're thinking, verse 39 is right there. And in verse 39, it says the promise is for you and your children. But that's not it. It's not just for you and your children. So, yeah, it's their audience, their children. But it also goes on and says, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Seems to me like that still applies today because the Lord is still calling people to change and to follow him. Well, if he's still calling them, if they're still accepting that call, then they're still receiving this gift of the Holy Spirit today. So going back to my question that I said, how to receive the Spirit today. Well, if you're a Christian, you've already been given this gift of the Holy Spirit. But the question is, 
have you accepted that gift? Have you ever had that experience before when maybe you've been given a gift? You have the ability to reject that gift, to, you know, not really ever truly accept it. Is that what we do to the gift of the Holy Spirit? Or do we accept the gift of the Holy Spirit? Because whenever we accept the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's going to produce even more changes within us. We're going to see the fruit of the Spirit being acted out in our own lives, but also in the lives of just us as a church. So us as a church, are we accepting this gift of the Holy Spirit? Let us always worship our Father in truth, but also in the Spirit. And let's also realize, just like what's stated in the book of Revelation, that the Spirit is speaking, but our church is listening. Are you listening? Comfort me, O gentle Savior, hold me closer to thy breast, for I can't go on without thee, you're my guide and I'm your guest. Will I ever walk beside thee for so